Wow, it is so good to be together in the room today. And if it's your first time here, let me just say again how glad we are that you're here. It's, it's our prayer that through being here today and, and hopefully every week, uh, that you'll experience a growing relationship with Jesus, with Jesus Christ. And so today we're glad uh, to, to be in this room together. I'll tell you what, I am really excited. I don't know if you are. Uh, I'm really excited about this year. I'm really excited to see this year what God's going to do in your heart and in your life. I'm really excited to see what God's going to do in the life of this church this year as we continue to move forward as a, as a faith family, as a family of God in this place. I'm excited to see what's going to happen this year as it unfolds and as God continues to move and His Spirit continues to come over this place. And I don't know about you, but I'm praying every week for God to grow us as a church and to grow this church and for His favor to be upon us. And I really hope, I don't know if you're praying, that I really hope you'll join me and praying that kind of prayer that God would come and be among us and move and do what only he can do in this place. I'm excited about this series. If you missed it last week, uh, we started a new series uh, simply called Who is, Who is Jesus? And uh, if you didn't know, throughout the Gospel of John, the way John tells the story, seven different times Jesus makes a declaration about himself and he says, I am this or I am that. And he compares himself to something to tell us a little more, to give us a little more insight into who he is. And I think it's really important to lean into that because we live in a world and a culture where there's a lot being said about who Jesus is. We even as Christians believe and say a lot of things about who Jesus is, but I think it's good sometimes to turn back to Jesus and just ask Jesus who he is and then let him tell us. And so if you missed it last week, we talked about Jesus being the bread of life. And I promise not to stand up here this week and wave in front of you sourdough bread and make all of you who are dieting mad at me. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, Jesus being the gate. And I asked John Smith to make me a gate and I thought he would just, you know, staple some boards together. But good night. This is beautiful, John. Thank you. This is just, we're going to auction this off after church and uh, that'll help our giving today. Um, and so thank you for that, John. We'll talk about uh, that in, in just a moment. But uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited. I hope you, I hope you are too. I hope, I'm always excited when we get to lean into Jesus together and to, to turn our hearts and our, our lives, our attention towards him. I know when you came in the room today, if you're anything like me, there's a lot going on. The Cowboys lost, I know. There's a lot of reason to be down and out. But for a moment, in, in all seriousness, I, I just invite you to push pause on the story that is your life, whatever's going on, whatever heartache you're carrying. And together for the next few minutes, let's just turn our attention towards Jesus. And uh, let's look at him together. Uh, three years ago, in Chicago, uh, there was a break-in attempt at a local downtown restaurant and bar. And here's a screenshot from the security video footage. Uh, the owners walked in that morning to found that the door had been jimmied and, and they were afraid that things had been stolen. But what they discovered was nothing had been stolen and they were really confused as to why. They could tell from looking at the door, the glass door that was the entryway into, into their restaurant, that the lock had been completely dismantled. Uh, and so it, was, it would, would have been easy to, to get into the restaurant, but there was no appearance that the criminal ever made it into the restaurant. So they went to the back and they, they turned on the, the, the security footage and they found where this man was trying to, to break into their restaurant. And they watched and they watched as the, as the scene unfolded and they saw how he dismantled the lock. And then they just died laughing. They just couldn't believe what, what they were seeing because for seven minutes, seven minutes of videos, for seven minutes after he dismounted the lock, this guy is pulling as hard as he can on the door to get in, pulling and pulling, and he just can't figure out. He's, he's disabled the lock, and he can't get in. He's pulling with all of his might. And there's a sign right there on the door that says, push. 
Like, he could have gotten in and taken whatever he wanted. But, you know, so kids, just a quick, you know, the moral of the story is brute strength is no substitute for literacy. So stay in school. Um, he couldn't figure out why he couldn't break in. All he had to do was push the door open. Uh, you know, it made me think this week as, I, as I've been thinking about this whole idea, Jesus, you know, being a gate. How, how consumed we are as a people, as a society, as a culture with safety and security. I, I was listening to the radio on Friday as they were making preparations for the inauguration. And in one of the interviews they did as they were leading up to that, to that moment, they interviewed someone who was in charge of security for the inauguration. And they said that they had some 20,000 people responsible for security that day. Of course, started with a, with a secret security, but it was everybody from the Coast Guard, every branch of the military was involved, local law enforcement, everybody you can imagine. 20,000 different people were responsible for, for, for providing safety and security on Friday. And it just blew my mind. You know, how do you organize 20,000 people to, to provide for public safety? But we're not just concerned as a people with public safety. We are very concerned about that, but we're also served, uh, you know, concerned with, 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 with personal security. I read this week that it's estimated that in the United States this year, in 2017, that Americans will spend $34.46 billion on home security. Let that sink in for a minute. Unbelievable. Like we are, we are really amped up and we are really careful. You know, we've got, not, no longer do you just pay for a service to monitor your home. You know, now you have like an app and you have video cameras all around your house and outside your house. And if anything happens around your house, there's an alert that pops up on your phone. You can push it and on your device, you can see what's going on at your house. Like we are so concerned and so consumed with security in every way. Not, and not just personal safety. You know this. Like more than ever, uh, you have to be concerned now with like cybersecurity. I also read that uh, one report said that, that U.S. companies that have a, a minimum of 1,000 uh, employees will spend $15 million battling cyber attacks. Let that sink in. Whoa. You know, we spend untold amounts of money just trying to, to keep what we got to protect what we have, to keep those that we love and the things that we have and the, uh, the wealth that we've accumulated safe and secure and free from, you know, all harm. That's what we're trying to do is, is trying to figure out. And, and then what, this is what I, I think about. This is just the way my mind works because then we invite you to come to church and we say things like, give your money away. <laughs> Go to this foreign country on a, on a mission trip, you know. Come here. Don't, don't be afraid, you know. There's no reason to have any fear. And I think about how, like how countercultural the message of the gospel sounds, you know? It sounds so strange. Uh, to be honest, to be a follower of Jesus, and some of you know this if you've followed him for any length of time, it's a bit dangerous. It's a bit risky. And it means giving up a little bit of your safety and security if you really want to lean in and follow him. And so it's really hard. I think it's countercultural for the one thing, if you're on the outside looking in. But even if you're on the inside, it's really hard for us. Because we too are in a, in a world that says, uh, that preaches, you know, safety and security. And it's hard for us to let go, to let go of any of that. Well, people for a long, 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 long time, you know this, we've always been concerned and consumed with safety and security and things like that. And it's, it's in this same kind of world that Jesus talks. And if you have your Bible or a device, if you want to open that up or turn that on and open up to John chapter 10, we're going to look 
in John chapter 10, just, just a few short verses. And I'll go ahead and tell you, we're going we're to come back to this later because there's, there's more here before and after it about Jesus being a good shepherd. And we'll talk more about that at length later. But I wanted to do this first. I wanted to come in here first and sort of zoom in real tight with the lens and look at just these few verses in John 10, starting in verse 7, that make a reference to Jesus that I think is so interesting. And, and honestly, a little bit strange. Like I had to wrestle with, you know, what, what does this mean? What, is, what in the world is Jesus talking about? And you'll read it right there in John 10, verse 7. Jesus says these words. He says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. What does that mean? What are you talking about, Jesus? What, 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 uh, like I was, our family, we, last night we went to the Fort Worth Stock Show and I saw sheep. Um, that's probably as close as I've ever been to one. I don't have much experience with sheep. Maybe you do. When I was growing up, I watched this cartoon, this Looney Tune cartoon. You'll see the picture of the sheepdog and Wally Coyote. You remember this old, old cartoon where the coyote is always trying to break in and get the sheep, and the sheepdog is always, you know, dropping them off a cliff or doing something crazy with them, you know? That's all I know about sheep. Some of you may be more educated. I, I just don't know much about sheep and how all this works. But Jesus, the audience that he's talking to, they were much more familiar with, with this language and what Jesus was talking about. They knew about sheep. They knew about shepherds. They knew about this lifestyle and what this meant and what this looked like. This was very common in the, the day and time of Jesus. And, and to be honest, it's not that hard to figure out because what, what shepherds would do with their sheep and what shepherds still do with their sheep in places like this is, is at night when it's time to sort of bed down for the night, if they're, if they're in town or, or close to town, they would put their sheep in a sheep pen and then the shepherd would literally like lay down at the entrance of that sheep pen. And, and he was both the gate and he was the way through the gate. And so if, anyone, if anybody wanted to come to the sheep or get through to the sheep or, or have access to the sheep, they had to come to the gate, through the gate, they had to come to that shepherd to get access. If they were out in the country, so to speak, if they were far away from town, the shepherd would create sort of a sheep pen out of rocks or maybe he would, he would push them back up against some sort of enclosure. And the same exact thing, he would lay at the entrance there and he would be both the gate and the way through the gate for the sheep. And what Jesus is saying in a very literal way to his audience, and, and they get this picture, they get this word picture, He's saying, I'm that gate. I, I, am both, I am both the gate and the way through the gate. Like, I want you to know who I am, and this is who I am. I'm, I'm it. I, I'm the gate. The, the gate wasn't nearly this nice or fancy, and it wasn't even made out of wood. But, but this is a good mental picture for us. Jesus is saying, this is what I am. I'm the gate, and I'm the way through the gate. And, but it keeps going, and he says this next. Catch this. Verse 8. Jesus says, all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. Parents, have, have you ever done this? Have you ever done this thing where, where you talk to your kids about your kids? Um, so we did this the other night at the, at the supper table. We're sitting around, and if you don't know, uh, me and my wife, Alicia, we have three kids, and and our kids got, I know you think our kids are perfect, and, and they're not. Um, they, they've gotten into this habit where they, they uh, my parents and my grandparents called it, you know, uh, back talk, you know, where you talk back to your parents, you know. And so you, you tell your kids to do something, and then they come with all the reasons and excuses and the moaning and groaning. I mean, I, this has happened once at our house, but um, it, it was happening a lot. And so I, I, just, I just, you know, found a moment at the dinner table, and I said, hey, kids, um, let me ask you a question. Uh, Hypothetically speaking, say we were at a restaurant somewhere and over next to us was another mom and dad, another family, and they had three kids. They happen to have a boy and two girls. I don't know. This is not you. Somebody else entirely I'm talking about here. 
And let's just say that you know, their dinner was over and, and uh, their mom and dad told them to, to get their coats and put it on. But instead of putting on their coats, uh, they started just complaining and whining and talking about why they didn't want to do it and, and giving their, their mom and dad a really hard time and a lot of grief. What, what would you guys think about that if, if they did that? And of course, they're like, well, you know, that's terrible. We would never do that. I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk about that. This is what Jesus is doing right here. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus says, he says right here in verse 8, he says, before me, there were thieves and robbers. He's talking to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, and he's calling them out. You came before me. You were supposed to be the gate. You were supposed to help people have access to God, but you've acted like thieves and robbers. Instead of making it easy for people to connect to God, you've made it harder for people to connect to God. And because of that, you're no better than a bunch of thieves and robbers. They had taken the law of Moses that was given to them by God to Moses, and that, the law was supposed to, to, to help them, to set them apart as the people of God. It was, it was for their benefit and for God's glory. And they had parsed out some 633 different rules and regulations that people had to keep, and nobody could keep it. They made it almost impossible for anybody to connect to God. And Jesus has come along, and he said, you've missed it. You've acted like thieves and robbers, but I'm the gate. I, I'm here, and I'm, I'm both the gate and the way through the gate, and I'm here to make it easy for people once again to have a relationship with God. And just a side note, this may be some of your story. This may be your story this morning. I've got no doubt there are some of you in the room today, and the reason you've never been baptized, the reason you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, the reason you've never chosen to follow him is because there have been people who call themselves Christians, let's just be honest. And you've looked at them and you've said, if that's what it's all about, I don't want any part of it. Or you've looked at them and they've looked at you and, and they gave you this impression that to be like them, to be a follower of Jesus, you had to keep all these rules or regulations. You had to believe what they believe or follow Jesus the way you follow Jesus. And, and the truth is, you just couldn't do it. This is the reason. But Jesus, and it's really cool in John's gospel, if you back up, if you read chapters one through nine, what you see is John painting this picture of Jesus. What you see is Jesus over and over again. He's opening up the gateway back to God. Some of you know the stories John tells us, so, so you, you'll, you'll remember these stories. But, but you go all the way back and you, you, see, you see Jesus. One of the first things he does is he calls together 12 disciples. These guys, don't, don't misunderstand, they were rejects. They weren't good enough to be anybody else's disciples. No other rabbi wanted them. That's why they went off and they found other jobs, other occupations. But Jesus comes and he says, no, you are good enough. You're good enough to be my disciples. And I want to, get, I want to connect you back to God. You've become disconnected. I want you to be reconnected. I'm the gate and the gate is open. One of those guys was even a tax collector. The worst of the worst of sinners. And Jesus chooses him to have a relationship with him so he can have a relationship with God. Jesus goes... And as the story is told in John 4, he has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. This was like a double sin. First of all, she's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. You want to talk about racism? These two groups hated each other. Jews weren't supposed to talk to Samaritans. Samaritans weren't supposed to talk to Jews. Not only that, but Jesus is a man. He's a Jewish rabbi. He's not supposed to talk to a woman, much less a Samaritan woman. And Jesus talks to her. 
And she believes in him. And she, don't miss this, she becomes the first gospel evangelist. And the, and the Bible says her entire town believes in Jesus because of her testimony. Unbelievable. Jesus looked at the Samaritan woman and he says, you were disconnected from God, but I want you to be connected to God. And you can do that. Just believe in me. It goes, I mean, it's so many stories. Jesus performs a long distant miracle where he heals the son, the, this kid of a government, uh, of a government official. Now, if Jesus was going to be the Messiah that the Pharisees and the the religious leaders wanted, don't miss this, he was supposed to help them overthrow the government. Instead, he's healing their kids. He's saying even they can have access to God and to the power of God. But not only that, you remember the time he went to the temple and and he turned over the tables and he got really mad and angry? Why did he get so mad? The temple is a place where you're supposed to worship God, where people were coming to connect with God. And when he walked in and he saw businessmen cheating people out of their money, charging exorbitant amounts for people to be able to come in and buy an offering to worship God, he flipped out. They're supposed to help people connect with God, and they're keeping people from connecting with God, and they're lining their pockets while they're doing it. He went ballistic. He went nuts. Not only that, John 8, one of my favorite stories of all time. The Pharisees brought this woman before Jesus that they had caught in adultery. Now just time out. I don't care what she did. The fact that they have set this up, planned this, manipulated this, they're as guilty as in themselves. But they pulled this woman in front of Jesus and they said she should be stoned according to the law. And Jesus basically says, this is my translation, I don't care what the law says. (laughs) This woman... This woman is a person of immeasurable worth. And you're ready to cast her out. You're ready to disconnect her from God forever. But I'm saying through me, she can be connected with God. Any of you without sin, go ahead, throw the first rock. Let me see you do it. Over and over again. One of the first things, I love this, John the Baptist. He sees John coming from afar. He sees Jesus coming from afar off. And he points at him. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What was he saying? The lamb, the lamb was what was meant to be sacrificed. That was uh, the sacrifice that stood between God and man so people could be atoned for their sins, have forgiveness of their sins. And John effectively says, Jesus, he's that lamb. He's the one that stands between you and God. He's the gate. He's the gateway. He is the gate and he's the way through the gate. And Jesus says, for far too long, you have made it impossible for people to connect with God. And I have come to be the gate. You want to be close to my father? Come to me. I'm the gate. I'm the gate and the way to God is wide open. Jesus says this next. He says, they, the sheep, my sheep, will come and go freely and they'll find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. To give them a good, good life. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to connect people back to God. And like any good shepherd, like any good gateway to the gate, to the sheep, he he wants to give all of those who come to him a good pasture. A good life. 
And the good life, and you know this, especially if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, the good life doesn't mean the perfect life. It doesn't mean a life free from pain and heartache and sorrow and burdens and problems, and the list goes on and on. You know what the good life is? Man, the good life, the good life is through Jesus with Jesus. The good life is knowing you're never alone. And I don't, just to be real honest with you, I don't know how people who don't know God do life. But those of us who know God, who have access to God, who are doing life with Jesus, through Jesus, we have hope like the world has never known. And this is the hope. This is the good life. This is the access we have to God through Jesus. It's access to the good life. But Jesus reminds us, and he said, we've said it before, and he says it right here again. The thief has a, the, the, the thief has a purpose too. To kill, to steal, and destroy and you know this, there are, there are thieves, there are those in the world like these Pharisees who want to separate us from God, who want to take our life. There's also a thief. We have an enemy. And he is real and he is relentless and he has nothing to lose and everything to gain. But Jesus says, I have come. And my purpose is to give you the good life. I played this, kid, this game with my kids when they were, were little. I still play it with Emma sometimes. She's five. It's that game, you've probably played it before, where I'm sitting on the couch and my feet are propped up on the coffee table in front of me and she runs up and she wants by. And so, like any good father, I'm like, well, what's the password? You, you want to get by? You got to have the password. Otherwise, these legs aren't moving. And the password is normally something about how much better dad is than mom. That's just a little side note. But... <laughs> Um, whenever she figures out the password, you know, whatever she comes up with that I finally like and I agree to, and I, I move my legs and she runs through and then she comes back and does it again and we play this game like forever. It could go on and on and on. It's so much fun. Um, <laughs> I wonder if we play that game with God. You know, what is it that's standing between you and God today? Or who is it that's standing between you in God today. Maybe you think like my daughter thinks that there's some sort of, sort of magic password that if you say the right words and, and know the right things that, that somehow the gate will open and you'll have access to God. And the reason you, you don't have access to God is because you're just not, you don't know all those tricks and words. You don't know how to pray. And you're worried because there's something between you and God and you think that's it or Maybe you just think like a lot of us think that the reason I can't get access to God is because I'm really just not good enough. I mean, I know what I did, and if you knew what I did, then you would know too that I'm not good enough and I can't get to God. There's something between me and God, and it's me. And we've, we've grown up thinking that we're, we're just not good enough and we're never going to be good enough to have access to God. Or maybe there's literally someone standing between you and God. And like we said before, there's someone that, 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 that you hold up as a person who should be someone who's helping you get closer to God, but instead they're dragging you further away from God. And Jesus says in every situation, in every, in every case, in every way, that the only thing, and you need to hear this today, the only thing between you and God is me. Jesus says, Jesus says, according to Jesus, all you need to get to God is Jesus. And if for any of us at any point in time, if it's ever become Jesus plus something else, then we've missed it. Because it's just Jesus. This is what Jesus says. He says, I'm the gate. There's nothing else. 
If you come to me, you get to come in. And you get to enjoy the green pastures. You get to enjoy the good life. You get to enjoy life through Jesus, with Jesus. That's what happens when you, when you, when you come to the gate, when you come to me, you, the gates are open wide. One of my favorite kinds of movies are heist movies. You know, these movies where a group of criminals, again, break in and steal things that aren't theirs. I don't know what that says about me, but I enjoy these movies. <laughs> Remember, Ocean's Eleven was one of those kinds of movies. Eleven guys get together and they, they decide to, to break into this impenetrable, you know, uh, vault where three casinos have got all their fortunes. And not only, not only is this vault like heavily guarded because of uh, the, the steel it's made from and the thickness of it, not only is it the, the most high-tech security system ever invented, not, not only do they have these security guys surrounding it, it it's just going to be impossible at every level to break in. We are really good as people at designing systems to keep people out, aren't we? And, and what I fear most is that this is what we've done in the church as well. Don't misunderstand me. I don't believe it's intentional, but I believe it's true. So many times we've inadvertently created systems of keeping people out when Jesus is saying, I just want people to come in. All week I've been just stewing over this text and I, and, and I just can't get around it. I, I, think, I think the heart of this text is Jesus looking at this group of religious people not too different from me and you and asking them the question, why have you made it so hard for people to come to my Father? But I'm here now and you need to know that the way to the Father is wide open. And so it begs the question for you and me, church, today, how can we open the gate? How can can we invite people in? Who can we invite in? We're all evangelists. I know we don't use that word much anymore, but I tell you in the room we have some superior evangelists. You may be an evangelist for essential oils, and you can talk to me all day how they're going to heal all my problems some of you are evangelists for Apple and, and how awesome their products are or, or Android and we'll pray for you. All of us are evangelists for something. When did we lose? When did we lose the passion to share with people how good God has been to us? When did we stop talking about it? Because I just don't hear us talking about it. We'll talk about anything else to our friends and neighbors except the goodness of God. And I tell you, I have found this in my own life to be true. There are probably two types of people in your circles. There are those in your circles and in your friend groups, in your workplace, uh, wherever you end up going and whoever you end up spending time with. There are people... Who, who know God and who believe in God, but they don't have a sheepfold. They don't have a community. They don't have a faith family like you have. And here's the amazing thing is most of them would come if you just invited them. Because they want to go to church somewhere, but they want to go to church where they know somebody. And their worst fear is stepping into a church, into a place where they just don't know anybody. So if they knew you and they knew you were going to be there, if you invited them, they would come. And if they came, guess what they would get to do? They would get to experience what you experience they would get to experience the family of God. 
And I'm not saying this is the only place where people can have that experience, but this is where you are and this is where we can invite people to, where they can have an experience with God and experience the family of God. And the truth is, the other kind of person in your world, in your circle, there are people in your world and in your circle who they just don't know about God at all. And my heart breaks for them because they don't know what you know. They don't know about this kind of love. They don't know about this kind of hope. They don't know about this kind of help. They think it's all up to them. They, they have no idea. And if you were just to invite them, if you were able to show them that, that there's a gate and there's a way through the gate and it's not a thing, it's not a to-do list, it's not a box to check, it's a person. And his name is Jesus. And when you come to him, what you're going to find over and over again is that the gate is always open. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been caught doing, read back through the Gospel of John and see how many people Jesus invites through the gate. He's the gate. He's the way to the Father. And I don't know what's standing between you and God. I don't know what's standing between you and the people you love and God. But today I want to call us back to the simple reality that it's just Jesus. And if we'll invite people to this gate, if we'll invite people to Jesus, if we can start thinking about how many obstacles can we remove so that more and more people can come and experience this God that we know and love and serve, what could happen? Church, if you would, stand with me. I realize the reality is that a lot of us for a long time, we laugh about it. But we've been pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling on that door as long and as hard as we know how. And for whatever reason, we don't feel like we've gotten access to God. I want to tell you today, just push. It'll open so easily if you just come to Jesus. Probably the reason you've been pulling and pulling and pulling is because you thought you had to do all these things to get close to God. But Jesus says, it's just me. I'm here. And you want access to the good life? You want access to life through me, with me? Just come to me. And so if you're in the room this morning and for whatever reason you never have given your life to Jesus, you've never come to the gate, you've never come through the gate, and yet you're not experiencing the good life, I, I just want to offer that invitation this morning. Man, we would love to have a conversation with you about, about becoming a follower of Jesus, about baptism, about stepping into this water, this water where we believe in a very real way you meet Jesus. And he's the gate and he's the gateway to the good life. Some of us, we just need to remember our baptism. Remember that we met Jesus there and we have access to God and we don't have to make it so complicated. We just need to come to him. I'm gonna ask our elders while we sing this song to just kind of make their way around the room and if you need prayers, they'd love to pray with you and if you wanna talk about this, you can talk with them. You can come talk to me if you'd like. But this week, this week, what I'd love for you to lean into is this truth and this reality. That Jesus is the gateway to the good life. And if you'll come to him, you get to experience life through him and with him. And it's a life like no other life. And the invitation and the challenge is simple. Come in. Come in. Come in.